0: الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام على خاتم الانبياء اشرف المرسلين نبينا قدوتنا حبيبنا خليل الرحمن محمد عليه الصلاه والسلام وعلى اله واصحابه اجمعين اما بعد Blessed life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam When Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Before Prophethood He is around 24 years of age And Abu Talib Asks him to get involved in trade, in business You mentioned Abu Talib Had uh, some financial hardship And we'll talk about that going forward as well And it's not because Abu Talib wasn't capable or wasn't... It's not like, you know, he was from the best of lineage, very strong family. But he was somebody that would give a lot. And he would help the needy a lot, who would do a lot for the Quraysh. So he was in a place of leadership, but financially he was struggling. So Rasulullah وسلم, he went on the trade, as we mentioned in the last dars, to Sham and uh, taking the caravan for Khatija radiallahu anha. And here, Maysara, the uh, slave of Khatija. And again, this is all before Nabuwa, before the Prophet of the Prophet وسلم, he accompanied Muhammad on his trade. And we talked about some of the miraculous things that happened. And the news came back to Khatija Here, we look at a time where Rasulullah sallallahu is around twenty-five years of age, between twenty-four and twenty-five, and this is the time where usually people want to get married. I think mean, this is the time to get married. I was twenty-four when I got married. Right? Most people, some people younger, some people older, but this is around the time. But everything that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu would earn, he would give to his uncle. Abu Talib, so he can distribute amongst his family, and, and he had a lot of kids and so on. So he didn't really have the financial means for it. But Khatija, she, was already, she had already been married twice. Her earlier husbands had passed. And at that time, women would get married early. And, and there was diseases, there were wars, there were other issues that went on. So people would die. And she was not looking at getting married. What we know from the authentic narrations is that many people used to send proposals to her. Why? One, she was known for her noble character. Today the whole darts will be around her, radiallahu anha. And she is one of the greatest personalities in the history of mankind. People talk about role models for sisters and so on, and people take out the worst of people. uh, subhanallah, they, they take out the, the worst examples and glorify them. Malala, this and that, subhanAllah, people are proud of this. Uh, for what? For going out and saying that nobody needs to get married and what's the point of nikah and this and this. and th- This is something to be proud. Of. Would you want your daughters to grow up to be like this? It's all plots. If you want to talk about somebody who did a lot for Islamic education and women and things like this, why not bring the women? And everybody has their own shortcomings, like Farad Hashemi and other women who are out there starting institutes to teach our women about Islam and the light of Quran and Sunnah and starting all this education. Women, nobody wants to give her a Nobel Prize. <laughs> it's only when you uh, want to bring يعني, the foundation of Islam and attack it, uh, such as the foundation of marriage and so on, that's when you get the Nobel Prizes, right? Why not talk about Aisha and what, how many hadiths she memorized or what a great faqihah she was, uh, a, 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 a scholarette in, in fiqh and hadith and tafsir? No, nobody wants to talk about that. They want to talk about kufr and, and make it يعني, glamorized. Khadija was. was And we'll talk about the evidences from this, from the greatest human beings and no doubt from the greatest women that ever existed in the history of mankind, from the best of them. Many people don't even know about her. What is her kunya? Many people don't know. Umm Al-Qasim. And she's also known as Umm Al-Mu'mineen because she was the wife of the Prophet Khatija bin Khwaylid. Ibn Asad, Ibn Abd al Ibn Qusay, Ibn Kilab, Al Quraishiyah, Al Asadiyah. This is her name. No doubt that she was from the most sought after women in Quraysh. She was rich, she had good lineage, she was honorable, she was honest, she was known for her, for her beauty and her eloquence and her honesty. People knew. And many people from Quraysh, from the richest and the most powerful men of Quraysh sent their proposals and she would turn them down. She was at this point not interested in getting married. But when she heard about the Prophet Sallallahu when she heard about his akhlaq, when she heard about uh, what uh, an amazing person he was from Yani, her own trusted servant, slave, who traveled with him, والسلام, who saw the good mannerisms, who saw the honesty, she wanted to propose to the Prophet Sallallahu Now, in this, there are many ahkam, even though this is before Nabuwa, there are many ahkam we will take because they were confirmed by the Prophet وسلم, even after Nabuwa. But the first issue to talk about is the age of Aisha Now, those of you that were here in the early duroos when we did the seerah the first time, don't answer. But for most people, when you ask how old was Khatija radiallahu anha, in most of the books of Seerah, in the most of the duroos that we get, even like in the of Mubarak Puri and so on, like people sometimes tell me, why don't you just teach from one book of Sirah? Like why do you collect from so many different books and spend all this time in looking at the narrations? That's not the way I teach. I want to make sure that we get the most comprehensive, the best of our weak abilities, with the most authentic. Because even in some of the very well-respected books of Seerah, there are weak narrations. So when we ask how old was Khatija what is the usual answer we get? 40. This is as if it's in the Quran, even though it's not, right? When I first taught Seerah, and I, I, I presented a view different from this, even my own teachers were shocked. I called some of my teachers, they were like, you're off. But then when I gave them the references and they looked them up, they came back and they said, you're right. So the, the narration for her being 40 years of age come from the reports from al waqidi al waqidi he did not mention actually her age at the time of marriage. He talks about her age at the time of death. And she gives, he gives it to me 65 years of age. We know that the wahi began, as Ibn Hajjar, Ibn Kathir and others have mentioned, 15 years after their marriage. So if the Prophet was 25, how old would be at the time of beginning of wahi? 40. And if this is the 15 years past the wahi, and we know she died 10 years after that. And before three years or a few years before Hijrah, 10 years after Wahi began, she, رضي عنها, died. So he gives her to be 65 years of age at the time of death. So that would mean, let's do our math here. If she's 65, that means at the beginning of Wahi, how old would she be? 50. And 15 years before that, how old would she be? 50. Right, depending on how we take, if we take her to be 65, at the age of death, then she would be 50, and you would get around to be 45 to 40 years of age and so on. Okay? So when we look at these calculations, we are looking at the death dates. Okay? If she's given to be 60 at the time of her death, this is these report, these are all different reports that come, that Ibn Saad mentions, right? If she's 60, then at Nabuwa she would be 50. And, and at the time of marriage, she would be? Come on, guys. What are you guys at? 35. These are all different narrations that were given. So when we look at the narration of her being 65, that puts her now to be 40 years of age at marriage, the only report that we get for this is from al-Waqidi. Waqidi is Muhammad ibn Umar ibn al-Waqid, al-Aslami, and Imam Ahmad said about him, that he was a liar in Hadith. Imam Muslim said about him, he's matroof in Hadith. Every scholar, you look at the major scholars of Jalb al not only did they say he was weak, he was totally unacceptable. Now, he has a book Al-Maghazi. And it's a very early book. And many people reference it to get an idea. But can we rely upon him as a sole narrator? No way. So that means those reports that mention her to be 40 are all from one, they all go through one source, and that source is totally rejected in Hadith. Now, when we look at what Al-Bayhaqi and in Dalal al-Nabuwa and Ibn Kathir and others have mentioned, they mentioned her to be 25 years of age at marriage, which would put her at 50 years at death, 10 years would be 40, and then... 15 years before that, being 25. seen at the time of death. And al-Hakim, he mentioned this to be from ibn uh, Abbas uh, to be at 28 years of age, and ibn Ishaq as well. al-Hakim, the Muḥaddith, right? So al-Bayhaqi and ibn Kathir, and what in al wa Nihaya, this is where people have that taught Bidaya and Nihaya, skip this, and when I show them the reference, they go back and look at it. Last time I brought all the books, this time I'm just going to give you the references. And al Bida'a wa Nihaya, Ibn Kathir says Asah, what is the most authentic narration is she was 25 years at the age of marriage. At the time she was married to the Prophet wasallam. So she was about the same age as the Prophet wasallam. Al-Bayhaqi agreed with him. Ibn Ishaq al al ibn Taymiyyah and others, they mentioned her to be 28, 28 years of age. Ibn Asakir has mentioned this with a Senate from Ibn Abbas Now there is some jarh and ta'adeel on the Sanad of that as well, but given that between 25 and 28, this is an acceptable range. This is where the age of Khatija anh, was in the most authentic narrations from the ulema of tarikh. Okay. No doubt to this. And many in and ulema recently that have done a great amount of research on this, like a Dr. Akram Amri, in a Sira al he also comes to the same conclusion. Sheikh uh, Shaykh Abdullah ibn Mani' al-Ruqi, for example, in his taliq on Rahiq al Maktoum he's come to the same conclusion with the evidences there. And uh, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdullah, Aushan uh, in his uh, book Ma'ashah Man Lam yathbut fi he has also come to the same conclusion. And I have myself put together a, lot, a large research on this issue. But what is clear is she was between 25 and 28 years of age. I'll give one more evidence, which is not a, a textual evidence, but just another evidence. Textually, this is enough for us. Textually, looking at the only narrations from Al-Waqidi, who is Matruk and hadith, and seeing all the other narrations from Ibn Abbas and from Other Sahaba and Tabi'un and time frames and all that That's enough for us But We know that she Had six At minimum Six children from the Prophet And we know some of them Looking at between them There was two years or a year and a half At minimum between them If she was married at 40 And then she had six children With two years Let's give or take Between them She would be past. In her mid-50s having children. And that's not impossible, but it is unusual. I mean, usually around that age of past 40, around 50, you don't have children anymore. And if she was having children into her mid-50s, for example, that would definitely have been documented because it would have been unusual for the Arab society at that time. So these are additional evidences. But what we rely upon is no doubt the clear narrations that mention her death date and calculating back from that. She was between 25 to 28 years of age when she got married. Khatija anha, as uh, Ibn Hisham mentions in his seerah, كانت Khatija anha, and she was a woman who was hazima. She was somebody who was strong-willed. And I'm putting this is one of the earliest scholars of tariq Talking about her personality right? And that's very important Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose certain people For certain situations Sometimes we, when we look at How Allah blessed the Sahaba to be Sahaba Like Abu Bakr anahu, and Omar And Uthman and Ali And Hassan and Hussein radiyallahu anhum We think like why not me And why not somebody else Well look at their sifat Look at what they had Brought into themselves and how they carried themselves and how they sacrificed, then you know why Allah chose to give them that status. So Khatija was a woman that she was strong willed. And we will see this in the seerah. When she stood behind the Prophet and she backed the Prophet, she didn't falter. Like, imagine. She's wealthy, she's, she's well respected, and her husband now claims to be a prophet, alayhi salatu Many women, any, forget about such a, an amazing claim, even if uh, you, you are the wife of a da'i, right? It takes a strong woman to be a wife of a da'i, because I mean, the, the hardship that you will go through from him being involved in da'wah, and people attacking, and people, all kinds of things that go on, right? So it takes a lot of courage. Then imagine, not only that, but you are now spending your own wealth. Khatiza Radiana spent all her wealth for the case of Islam. And then sacrificing your health, sacrificing yourself. She died after the year of, of hardships and exile and so on. I mean, a very difficult task. Never did she ever complain. I looked through the books of Hadith. I looked through the books of seerah, books of tarikh, books of ulema, and the I, I never found a single narration where she complained to the Prophet ﷺ that because of this mission of yours, I got to lose everything. No. Instead, she gave him hope, and she gave him confidence, and she supported him, and she encouraged him. And she was such a strong woman that even though she spent her own wealth and her own health, she never faltered. Never complained. Never look down on why this is going on. They said about her, Sharifa. She was somebody known for being honorable, for being honest. Somebody even before Islam, even before Islam, when Zina was not haram. There were women who would make Zina. She never made Zina. She never entertained uh, any thoughts like this. People that would try to marry her without the nikah. She would never even entertain speaking to them. She was known even before Islam to be a woman of great honor and great respect. Labiba. She was known to be very intelligent. Aqla. Somebody who was very uh, well or eloquent in her speech, clear in her words, uh, good in the advice that she would give. She had a, a very impressive nasab. She was very honorable. And we talk about this a lot in the tariq. When we talk about the nasab of Nabi ﷺ and the Sahaba and so on. And not that nasab is everything. Because we see some people like uh, Julaidib who had no nasab. But he was from the best of people and the most respected. But it is also interesting when we look at the household and its environment. Many times people who are from an honorable household and so on, they are given a good tarbiyah. Not always, but many times. And that is something important. Tarbiyah of the person. She was wealthy herself. From the money and things that were left from her husband, she was herself wealthy. She was not in need of a husband for wealth or anything like this. But she turned down all those proposals, coming from the best, from the most noble and richest of Quraysh, but here now, when Maysara tells her about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam, she herself sees something amazing. And this is an authentic narration from the Qutb That when Rasulullah sallallahu was coming back with Maysara and her caravan, the Arab, they used to live يعني, in a land where you could see far. Nowadays, you have all these buildings and towers and things, but they didn't have at the time. So from her house, she saw the caravan coming, and it was her caravan. So she knew, she was excited about it. It's her goods, her wealth. She said, I saw beings. I mean, and this is later on, we will know that Malaika. She didn't know what Malaika were. But she saw, she saw what was covering the caravan on top of the Prophet sallallahu Only on top of the Prophet sallallahu and when Maysara came, she, she asked him, she said, what was this? Something strange I saw. He told her, Wallahi. And, he, and they, they have the word Allah. He said, I, he, I saw the same, even though others couldn't see. It. And some others saw the same and reported it to me. And we talked about that in the earlier days. And, and he talked about his akhlaq uh, And he talked about his, and this is something beautiful. The Prophet alaihi was such a beautiful insan. And he, some people today, even if they're outwardly religious, they're just hard-hearted. May Allah protect us, me, before everybody. May Allah forgive me. Like if they do business, they're quick to anger. Sometimes when somebody owes you money, and they owe you a time, and again, we should all pay our debts on time. I mean, even the shaheed doesn't enter Jannah if his debts aren't paid and so on. But if somebody owes you money... And, and they, they miss a day. Some people go to an extreme, they're so harsh, they tell them, Man, I don't care if you sell your wife and kids and pay my money and I'll better have my money and this. Rasulullah was soft-hearted. And and he, he gave the virtues of those that are soft-hearted, those that are shy to anger, those that have hilam. So when Khatija anha, she heard about these great akhlaat, she she told. May sarah that I want to propose to this man. Subhanallah. She saw that her trade was blessed. She saw that his dealings were honest. She saw all of these things. So she talked to a servant she had. Her name was Nafisa. Nafisa bint Munayya. Nafisa, she told her, I will take care of this issue for you. Because it was not in the Adat of the Arab, and nor is it in the regular Adab of the Sharia, that a woman just goes up to a man and is like, hey, I want to marry you. <laughs> it's kind of a strange thing nowadays, you know, just walking and like, hey, I want to marry you. What? <laughs> so usually, it would be that the man's family would approach the family of the woman. But here, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he is shy to do such a thing because he doesn't have the means he thinks, how can I marry a woman who is so wealthy and like this? I have nothing. I'm just busy trying to work to help my family and so on. So she does not just go to like uh, his uncle Abu Talib or Abdul Muttalib or something, and she's like, "Yo, I want to marry your nephew." Like <laughs> this is not the, with the way of the people of being honorable. But Nafisa tells her, "I'll take care of it for you," and she's very intelligent. She goes to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi She doesn't tell him. Khatiza I and mean, she wants to marry you No She tells him Why don't you get married Now I and mean, being 24-25 years of age You don't need a lot of uh, encouragement So I mean, She told him Why don't you get married He He said Of course I'd love to get married But How can I I mean I don't even have My own house I don't have everything set I'm still Trying to help my family And so on How can I get married Nafisa tells him والسلام, What if I told you To marry The most noble of women, the most beautiful of women, the most eloquent of women, the most honest of women, the wealthy woman. He said, how would some woman like this marry me? He said, what about marrying Khatija? Rasulullah said, would Khatija marry me? Now look at Nafisa; she knows Khatija radiyana wants to marry him. right? But she doesn't tell him like that. She tells him, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it for you. Like she told Khatija radiyana, I'll take care of it for you. So... Now, Rasulullah ﷺ, he goes and talks to his elders. And this is the way of marriage. Marriage is not like, all right, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> Nowadays, it was a strange world we live in, you know. Some brother will be walking. Another brother will walk up to him and be like, yo, I want to marry your daughter. Uh, who are you? <laughs> I don't have a job. <laughs> I don't have anything in it. I don't know where i keep her. Uh, I'm not really interested in religion. But, yo, can I marry your daughter? Get out of here, <laughs> Strange world, right? So here, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's father has passed away, Abdul Muttalib has passed away. So Hamza, Hamza radiallahu anhu, Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib and Abu Talib. Hamza and Abu Talib, the uncles of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Some of the Qutub of Tariq also mention there is another uncle named Zubair. Right? Not Zubair ibn Awwam, but Zubair, the uncle of the Prophet Sallallahu But these uncles, they went to who? Who did they go to? Not to Khatija. Of course, nobody goes to the woman and is like, <laughs> no, they went to her father, Khwaylid, <laughs> from the Etiquettes, right? So elders, they went to elders. Khawailid ibn Asad, and they, they put the proposal forward, and Khatija Raniana, obviously she wanted to marry the Prophet, وسلم, so they agreed. How did they do it? They put a meher of 20 camels. Now the Prophet ﷺ, all the wealth he had gained, he had given it to Abu Talib, because that's who was taking care of himself. But Abu Talib and the uncles of the Prophet ﷺ, they then from their wealth gathered 20 camels, and they put this as the meher for Rasulullah ﷺ to get married to Khadija radiallahu anha. And uh, Abu Talib, he gave the khutbah. And this is, we don't have the exact wording of that khutbah, but we know that the khutbah nikah that Rasulullah ﷺ told us is from the sunnah. And we know this was from the Sunnah of Ibrahim salam and Ismail salam. So the Arab, they knew that there is a khutbah. And the khutbah should be given before the nikah. Sometimes, nowadays, they do the nikah, everything is done. And then, every, you know, once it's already mahar I give and accept and everything. Then they just say the khutbah on the side. Oh, this is like putting the horse before the cart kind of a thing. No, the khutbah is done first. And then the nikah process goes forward. So they did this. And the best of mankind Rasulullah Muhammad وسلم, and one of the best of womankind Khadija get married simple that's it and when the nikah is done they give some food some sweets and this is from the Sunnah when the nikah is done to give some sweets some food some a little bit something is from the Sunnah then after the marriage is consummated and so on, to have a walima is from the sunnah. But today, people have made it something strange. Either they, uh, I mean, something nowadays, you'll see, like here we get it all the time. You know, somebody comes, wanna do nikah, okay. Who, this is me and this is the woman, that's it. Like, what do you mean, that's it? Where are your witnesses? Where is the wali? Where are... No, we don't have anything. Oh, and then what is the mahr? One dollar. We get this all the time. One dollar. Nothing wrong with that. But if you have the ability, then why one dollar? I mean, if you don't have anything that's different. But if you have a hundred dollars, ten dollars, I mean, something to show your series. Right? On the other extreme, what's the mahr? One million dollars. Whoa. You're marrying a woman or buying a mansion or something. Right? I mean, these are extremes. Something simple, moderate in the way of Rasulullah And sometimes we get the nikah here, they don't even give like a piece of candy to anybody. (laughs) Two, three minutes, they're done, whatever, nikah, they're out. And it's not from the sunnah. To give some sweets, then no waleema. Many people, no waleema, they skip it. Ah, this is from the sunnah. On the other extreme now, on the other extreme, sometimes, may Allah protect us, there are like 30, 40 parties. Not even exaggerate, at least 10 different parties, each one costing 10, 20, 60, 100,000 dollars. What are you doing? They make it so difficult that there are women getting old, they can't get married, brothers that are going to haram because they can't get married. Uh, I mean, the mihr is set so high, and, and then you gotta throw these many parties, and then you gotta buy these many houses, and you gotta buy this and this. <inaudible> In other extremes now, people sell their daughters. And when brother I know myself, he went to a country, I won't mention the name of it. Not really, I won't, man. I'm controlling myself, right? He went to get married. And they said, MashaAllah, this girl is half of Quran, mashallah, she memorized Radu Salihin, and she's very pious and munaktaba and this and this. I was like, okay, I'm ready. He said, How much is A hundred thousand dollars What? Hundred grand? Are you kidding? Because you're from America. I was like, I'm from America, I didn't rob banks or in America. <laughs> I just live, you know. He's like, oh, you can't afford it? It's okay, it's okay, no problem. He's like, okay, no problem. He said, no, no problem. I have another daughter. Not so religious. Didn't remember as much Quran. Uh, not as... What is that, card Now the Now, on the other hand, in some other countries, they make the girl by the boy. <laughs> not gonna mention the name, India. So, amongst Hindus, and that... Athar, unfortunately, has come on the Muslims of India as well. May Allah protect us. Okay, I am going to mention it. Forget it. Right? This is insane. The Muslim, the way of the Muslim, the sunnah is the man gives mahal to the girl. Now they have jahez. I don't know what Janaza this came out of, right? What is jahez? Hindu tradition. Oh, you want to marry my son? No, your son wants to marry my daughter. Right. You have to bring the girl's side You have to bring a house, a refrigerator, a car Like, What is this? Now they're selling their sons? Hajj? Oh, I, I, I can't go for Hajj, why? My daughter's not married so What does that have to do with you going for Hajj? I can't afford it What do you need to afford for your daughter to get married? Meher is going to come from the boy's side No, no, in our culture, forget your culture We have the Sharia we have the Quran and Sunnah. Who cares about your Hindu culture? You're a Muslim, right? Right? just make sure. But the marriage of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi wa was simple like this. Right? Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam got married to Khatija radiya anha. And subhanallah, many of the kuffar, because see, kufar kuffar in general, he Islam, general. Not everybody, generally. And they want to extinguish Islam, I'm not afraid, I'm going to say it. So their bombs couldn't do it, the guns couldn't do it, colonial strategies couldn't do it, killing of ulema couldn't do it. So what do they do now? They want to bring shubuhat, some doubts. And the munafiq from the Muslim will work with them. So it will bring all kinds of weird doubts and things because they know as long as we love the Qur'an and we love the sunnah, we love the, the way of Islam and the love the Sharia and stuff, they know that they can't do anything. Bombs and guns and money can't do anything. So what now? They want to they wanna give sharia. <gasps> don't say the word sharia. Why not? But Allah Is sharia. Don't say this. No. They want to bring up all kinds of doubts about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Even though we know that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was the best of mankind. No doubt to them. You look at even non-Muslims like Michael Hart. Others, when they put the hundred most influential people, they put the Prophet as number one, right? From his akhlaq, from his leadership skills, from Allah bless him, no doubt. But they want to bring up all these issues. Why did he marry so many women? Wives? What do you mean, wives? First thing we say is, so what? Allah made it halal from him, Allah ordered it, let him marry as many women and if you don't like it you can burn in hell, we don't really care. (laughs) We will say what is the haq and nobody cares. We don't need to please anybody. But if you want to understand the hikmah behind it, then every marriage of the Prophet after this first has been for the religion. And insha'Allah, as we go through these durus, every marriage that we get to, I will explain from the evidences from the Adillah, from the Quran and Sahih Hadith about what was the hikmah and why Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi married which wife only for the sake of Allah, for the sake of the religion. Because the time when you're young and you want to have that great desire between the ages of 25 and, and 40 and 50 and this age this age span, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi wa was only married to one woman. As long as Khatija was alive, he والسلام, did not marry another woman. And this is a beautiful design. Allah made Hawa and Adam. Allah made Rasulullah and Khadija be married in such a beautiful example that when there is no need and that there is no issues, then this is the best model, one man, one wife. Alhamdulillah, be happy. When there is a need, whether when there it's a physical need or some other need, then no, it's halal. Allah made halal. Uh, we have no objections to it. But this is a beautiful example. And when Rasulullah married other women after the death of Khatija Rabiyanha, each marriage, you look at it, never for desires. I'll give you one example. Um Habiba. Um Habiba, her and her husband, they made hijra to Abyssinia, to Habasha. Her husband became murtad, he left the religion. And he was given, now imagine you're a woman, you've left your people, you're in a strange land, and now your husband becomes murtad, and he's telling you to become murtad. And it's, it's a very strong pressure. Now Rasulullah wasallam is, is back in Mecca, he has no physical connection, he doesn't know her beauty or her, her life or anything like that. But here's about this woman. And what was her response? Subhanallah, look at the Iman of the Sahabiyat. Wallahi, yani our men today should be ashamed looking at the women of the Sahaba. She was so strong in her Iman. She said, I didn't just bring Iman taqlidan. Like I didn't just go with the people. But I, I brought Iman looking at, at the evidences. I will never leave. Now she's a woman by herself. No husband, no support, none of that. Rasulullah Sallallahu he sends a marriage proposal to her. Not because he desires to be with her. He's he not even the same continent. I mean, one is in Africa, the Arabian princess is in Asia. Right? And, and who does he send it to? He sends it to Najashi. Najashi the king. I mean, he then, because there's no wali there, he's a person of authority and we know he was a Muslim, even though it was a secret for a while. He is the wali for her then, and he marries her. She's not even in the same continent to support her, to protect her iman. Most of the of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu are old. Oh, they're married. They're before. The, I and mean, this is something that we nobody would desires would want to marry. But this is the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa taala. This is the great akhlaq of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi So those on the kuffar and munafiqun that want to be jealous, let them burn in their jealousy. Khatija radhiallahu anha, Imam al-Dhahabi says about her. Imam al-Dhahabi said, The first one to bring Iman on Allah and upon his Rasul عليه السلام, ختيجة رضي الله عنها. and then after that Abu Bakr, and then we'll talk about this as we go. But the first person to bring Iman... What is authentic? And there are aqwal directly from Al-Zuhri and Qatada and Musa ibn Akbar and Ibn Ishaq and others that are all from the ulema of Tariq that the first Muslim on the face of the earth in the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And not talking about the earlier ummah. In the ummah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, khatija radianha. People talk about what is the status of women in Islam. What greater status does Allah can can Allah give the women except that the first Muslim in the ummah of the Prophet is a woman The first shaheed in the ummah of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ is a woman The first shaheed in the ummah of Musa and bin Israel In the ummah of Musa was a woman The one who worked in the house of Fir'aun Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honoured the Muslim woman with this And honoured Khadijah with this And that is why I mean, we, we hope from our sisters That they will be the ones that will defend Islam that will stand for Islam. They will defend the hijab and niqab and abayat and things. Not the ones who will sell it out. Because this is what Allah honors you with. Aisha رضي الله عنها says, in the hadith that Imam Muslim has mentioned in Sahih, in a rawaya في al-bukhari بشرة يعني... Rasulullah sallallahu sallam, Rasulullah sallam Gave the glad tidings To Khatija radiya anha Bi bayten fi jannah Of a house in jannah There's another rawaah That's in al-Bukhari That will talk about Where that That glad tidings came from The hadith That is reported In Bukhari and Muslim And I'm gonna summarize here Where Jibreel Alayhi salatu Came to the Prophet وسلم, and he said, Fuqrah, and to, to recite, alayha, yani, ala Khatija radiallahu alayhi salam, min rabbihi, rabbiha. That give the salam to Khatija from her rab wa minni and from me. In Bukhari in Muslim, muttafaqul alayhi. And in this rabbiya also it continues and gives the glad tariff of al-bayt, a house. In the Jannah which has no noise And no, no any, uh, any kind of hardship or anything like that A calm beautiful place in Jannah For her I look to the books I cannot find anybody else From the women of this Ummah Or before that Jibreel mm-hmm. Alayhi salam came Especially to bring the Salam directly Not just regularly Salam alayha, But directly from Allah To her Except for Khadija radiallawam. That this saying salam from Allah, not that Allah's peace be upon her, no, but a direct message with Jibreel alayhi salam, coming down and saying that Allah and me are saying salam alaykum to her. Look at the honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala khadija radiallawam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the rawayah in Sahih al-Bukhari, where he mentioned. خَيْرُ mean The best of the women of the ummah that have been sent. Maryam, the daughter of Imran. And here, I mean, some of the Christians they have <laughs> misunderstandings. is that Imran from the time of Musa? It's different Imran, same name. How many Marys do you have in the Bible? <laughs> right? But Maryam, her father's name, Imran. Maryam, the, the mother of Jesus. Peace and blessings be upon them. Of Isa ibn Maryam, from the best of the women ever. What a beautiful honor given to her. And then he says, and then also with her, Atfan Khatija radiallahu That means not just from the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa but from all of mankind, in the history of mankind, from the best of women. There's another riwayah that Imam al-Tirmidhi has mentioned as Hassan Sahih as authentic. That one mentions four women as the best of women who achieve perfection. Right. From them, Maryam The mother of Isa Alaykum as From them, Khatija The wife of Rasulullah Sallallahu alayhi wa From them, Fatima The daughter of Rasulullah Sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And from them, Asiya Asiya, the wife of Fir'aun Subhanallah Look at the hikmah Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala From them is the mother of a prophet from them is the wife of a prophet. From them is a the daughter of a prophet. But from them is the wife of one of the worst people in the history of mankind. Fir'aun. Hikmah of Allah. That yes, sometimes Allah will, will bless those who, who will raise their children to be pious. will have a great example in Maryam from them, Allah will bless those that will be the wives of ulema and tulab and du'at and mujahideen and so on who will support their husbands like Khatija. From them will be the daughters of great scholars and great uh, people who do sacrifice for the sake of the deen and they will support their fathers and obey and be good daughters like Fatima. But from them, sometimes there will be a woman who will be put in a situation. That will be the worst of situation. Her husband will be from the ta'ghut, from the worst of people, from, dhullam, from the oppressors. But because of her iman, her husband's sins will not affect her. Her fathers, her sons, anybody else, she will be from the best of mankind. Beautiful examples that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set for us in these women. Khatija radiallahu anha, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to mention her so much. is from her fadail. That Aisha radiallahu anhu said, Ka'annaha, like as if she was the, the only world woman to ever exist on earth. As if, لَمْ يَكُنْ فِي الدُنْيَا امْرَأَرْتَا, there was never a woman on earth illa Khatija. And he, subhanAllah, look at the, the honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to Khatija radiallahu anhu after she died. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa would mention her so much. And he would say that she believed in me When nobody believed in me She supported me when nobody supported me She trusted me when nobody trusted me When people were harming, people were attacking I'm summarizing from the longer narrations But it mentions the virtues that she had Even when Rasulullah used to sacrifice He would take from the meat and when he would send them out, he would send them to those that were beloved to Khatija. After she died, because of the love that he had for her, because of the support that she gave to them, the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She, and we'll talk about this as we go, but she gave birth, But some discussion amongst ulimah, what is correct to six of the children of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa there's only one that we'll talk about later, uh, Ibrahim that is not born to her, but the rest were all born to her. From them, the first being Al-Qasim. And that is why the Kunya of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is Abu Al-Qasim. And the Kunya of Khatija radhiyallahu Anha is al Qasim. Who died between the age of two and six. And this is from the Hikmah of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala. Imagine if the children of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the male children of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, had survived. And if you think the Shia and the Rafdah had ghaloo' towards the children that came from Fatima radiyallahu anha, imagine a daughter from the sons of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the hikmah of Allah. So Qasim was the first. Then Zainan radiyallahu anha. Then Ruqayya. Then Fatima. Then Umm al And then Abdullah, was also known as Tahir and Tayyib. And there is some khilaf on this, but this is what we know, that these are the children of Rasulullah Sallallahu Wasallam that were born to Khatija The only child that was not, is Ibrahim born to Maria Qutiyya anha. Here, Rasulullah Sallallahu Wasallam is now married, and this is still before Nabuwa, and he and Khatija عنها, are living a happy life. But now, the Kaaba Needs to be rebuilt And inshallah at the next dars we'll talk about The rebuilding of the Kaaba and what happened uh, In that in there